Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Apparently. And you're listening to You're My Best Friend. This is getting really spiritual. You're my best friend. With two of my best friends, Marcia. So we're we're not going to kiss then? And Ruby <laughs> Let me tell you this. Dropping a taco is a national emergency. You, I'm cutting you off. You're listening to You're My Best Friend, a podcast about life, friendship, and tacos. Here are your hosts, the industrious Moxie Ann and the amusing Ruben J. Welcome to You're My Best Friend, a podcast about life, a friendship, and tacos. If it sounds like I'm going super fast because Moxie's in a hurry, my name is Ruben J. And I'm Moxie Ann. And in this week's episode, we are super excited to be bringing you so many great things sponsored by our sponsor. <laughs> Why am I the one? I'm not the one with the date here. Yeah, well, you know, use that word a little too freely there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I didn't call it a date. Well, you know, if if Ruben wants to get this over with really fast, then that's, of course, cute for me to stretch it out. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm uh, taking his silence as an indication that he hates me, which is not news to anyone, actually. Did you introduce yourself yet? I did. Oh, good. I did. Awesome. Cool. Something good. Go. <laughs> Come on, Moxie. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Time is money. Time is money. Come on, let's go. My gosh. Okay. All right, we're going to commercial break. Ah, wait, wait. We missed something good. Okay. So, (laughs) our something good for this week is actually, uh, as many of you may know, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, I work with seniors. And if you head over to Amazon.com by clicking on our link, we will get 10% of whatever you purchase. This is a train wreck. You need to do it now because I got an email from Amazon saying not enough people have purchased anything and we're going to get canceled if we don't. All right, go. This is a train wreck. You're a train wreck. You're a train wreck. Your mom's a train wreck. Your mom's. Don't say it. (laughs) Don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare. You want to say it? How dare you? I just said your mom's. That's all I I said. I do have multiple moms. I know. That's why I said that. It was a statement of fact. Mm Mm-hmm. How dare you bring up my mother? Okay, so Ruben is actually in a hurry because he has a date. I'm not so, in a hurry. Uh-huh. I'm, just, I'm just hoping you're prepared. Uh, of course I'm prepared. Mm-hmm. Okay. Miss Producer of Nothing. You're really not going to let that one go, are you? Never. I'm actually going to make a t-shirt about it. Speaking <laughs> of t-shirts, head over to tinyurl.com forward slash shop best friends to purchase our new, what I call the End Tacos uh, t-shirt. Uh Okay, this is actually a really amazing t-shirt. Do you want to tell them what it says? It says things. (laughs) (laughs) Now who's not prepared? (laughs) What did did Nancy used to say years ago? Uh, Nancy, you want to shout it out real quick? Nope. Okay, cool. Uh, Say it one more time. Thank you. Show prep. Uh, Nancy used to, years ago, I was part of a TV, uh, TV show. It's part of a, of a radio show, a radio show where the host would never prepare for anything. Yikes. And in the middle of a segment, she just randomly shout out, show prep. Um, <laughs> the shirt says, uh, carne asada and carnitas and pastor and pollo tacos. 
it's, it looks way cooler than it sounds saying it out loud. Yeah, it's one of those cool, like, it's it's a modern twist on a classic. Um, I believe it's a Beatles thing. Isn't it a Beatles thing? I think so. Brad has one that has the Def Leppard members. Yeah, and they have one for The Office and Friends. And yeah. we made one for Tacos. All right, cool. Something good. All right, something good. So as a lot of you... This pro- week's guest is a really great good guy. Lord, he's, man. He's, he's a really good friend of mine. One might say that he could possibly be... Not really. No, he's not my best friend, but he is a really good friend of mine. Um, what? Something good. Go, woman. Go, go, go. I'm trying. Go. Dollar you in keep the jar. interrupting me. Dollar in the jar. Dollar in the now jar. Now you're interrupting me. What was that? <laughs> okay. So as a lot of you probably know, Dollar if you've listened jar. to this podcast before, I work with seniors. I am an events coordinator and director. So and she plans bingo. I well, I mean that is one of the many things I do, um, but so I work with seniors. This is something my boss sent to me a couple of weeks ago as just like an idea, and it really, really made me smile. And I think it will make you smile too. You should definitely go and look it up because it's a visual thing. But this is an article from Huffington Post. That's a great thing to do on a podcast. <sighs> okay, this is an article from Huffington Post. It's a good thing I don't have a gun right now. It's called. Did you just threaten me? No. Wow. I, it's called... I just kicked you out of the stream. This is the Ruben J Show now. It's called... Oh. Bitch. <laughs> it's called Seniors Recreate Famous Album Covers to Cure Lockdown Boredom. So this is something that Silmar Lodge Care Home in North London is doing. In London? In London! Um, and the staff at the UK Nursing Home found a genius way Dollar to pass the, the time. Uh, they've enlisted <laughs> the seniors living there to recreate classic album covers. And the idea behind this brain... Uh, this His brain? Yeah, the idea behind this came from Robert Specker. Uh, they're at home's activity. Oh, I know Robert. Corner. Really? Yeah, we're good friends. Ah, in London. In London! <laughs> so if you go check out at Robert Specker, that's Robert S-P-E-K-E-R on Twitter. He's actually tweeted out a bunch of these album covers, uh, but they did, uh, they did Adele, the 21 album, you know, the classic one where she's got her hand against her face and eyes are kind of closed and it's black and white. So they did that, but they're, they're putting their twist on it. So it's uh, Vera 93. And uh, they took the Taylor Swift from the 1989 album where she's got that kind of pastel looking sweatshirt and just like her lower, the lower half of her face. And it says TS 1989. And they did that. And it says RC 1922. If you are watching the video version of this, uh, if it ever gets posted, um, I don't know why we record the video of this. We never post it. I don't know It's actually on, on the screen. So check out. Yeah. And they did, and there's so much more. They did classic ones as well. So they did the David Bowie, Aladdin Sane uh, album. They did uh, Elvis Presley's debut album. They did uh, Michael Jackson's Bad with uh, Toba David. And they, did, they did a Bruce Springsteen one. They did, they did. And they did Madonna, but it's Liliana. And it's it's pretty epic. It's I love these. My favorite, I think, is the Blink-182 with the classic blue glove and the... Uh, the nurse's cap and nurse's outfit, and they did that. They even went as far as to put a fake butterfly tattoo on her forearm. Can I just point out forearm. that the queen one doesn't look very socially distanced? No, it does not. Like, I'm zooming in on it just so I can... <laughs> Although, it, it kind of looks the same, like if they're the same people. Yeah. It Actually, that I'm might... Not, no. I'm nope. not, not going to say what I was about to say. <laughs> Very mean thing Okay, to say. but this is really cool because there are some other senior communities that are doing this as well. So below on this article from the Huffington Post, there's a picture of seniors recreating famous paintings. 
uh, famous painting recreations from across the world. I've seen some that are like movie covers, uh, like mo- famous popular movies as well. There are seniors recreating the covers for those. Um, and it's just really heartwarming. It, it really made me smile. And I hope it makes you smile too. So again, go and check out Huffington Post seniors recreating album covers during lockdown. Or just go check out Robert Speaker on Twitter. In London. In London. All right, commercials, play. Now, go. Oh, my gosh. It's like you have a date or Commercials, something. play. Okay, seriously, play the commercials. back thank you guys so much for tuning in to you're my best friend a podcast about life friendship and tacos uh this next guest well next guest why do i say next guest this is our we only Am have I your first guest no we have is we have this one, your podcast we have one guest on every week uh, and i'm actually really excited to talk to this person uh i've known this guy for 13 14 years now uh he, he was there for my family a lot of times he is a uh a youth correctional chaplain and and works here in Orange County. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Rick Johnson. Rick, welcome, man. Hey, hey, good to be on the show. Heard about it, so uh, hey, let's do it. I'm so happy that that you are here and that we're finally doing this because uh, we've talked about it before and we've we've had you know discussions about it and and now it's happening. So uh, let me just start off. First and foremost, by asking, you know, how did you get involved in chaplaincy? Because it doesn't seem like that's something that somebody just wakes up one day and says, you know what, I'm going to be a chaplain. So I would like to hear more about that story. I didn't expect to be one either uh, when I was younger, but I started working at a a boys ranch and I saw the needs of the youth and I got uh, acquainted with a uh, uh, an ex-felon, actually, that, that had turned his life around. And man, he had a burden and a vision. And it just inspired me. And And he started taking me to the California Youth Authority in Stockton, California. And I remember, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to start small. And I started with meeting with one young person incarcerated in the California Youth Authority. And it was through M2 sponsors. And they had found that inmates who had visits were less likely to get in trouble. Inmates who had somebody that cared about them would do better when they got out. And so through that gentleman, I uh, met somebody else and started going into the juvenile hall up in Central California, Stanislaus County. And uh, just one thing after another, I just caught the vision. I got tired of being the bad guy at the uh, youth group home and always confronting and and, uh, keeping the kids accountable and disciplining them, which is part of that job. And I just saw the spiritual side of these kids. And I said, man, I want to, I want to do that. And I uh, met a chaplain and and I met somebody that was looking for to train chaplains right here in Orange County. And I met Chaplain Steve Blow in uh, 1985. Wow. 
1985. So you've been doing this uh, longer than you've been alive. Than I've been alive for sure. <laughs> I was trying to do the math in my head real quick to see if you've been doing it longer than than Moxie and I both combined alive. No, not uh, that long. Yeah, but um, I remember driving to Orange County when I moved here in '93. And I'm driving in my car and I'm thinking, I'm going to move here and I want to stay here a while. And it's like I had this idea. To, I thought to myself, there are people that are not born, young men and young ladies. They're not even born yet. But I am going to meet them one day, unfortunately, in juvenile hall. And uh, every young person that I uh, come in contact with today that fills out a request that asks for a contact with a chaplain. They weren't even born when I moved to Orange County. Wow. So uh, does that mean that you could still meet Ruben in Juvenile Hall? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have clearance to go into the jail. Uh, the sheriff is kind enough to give me official visits because unfortunately there's some young people the young men especially, they, they graduate into the jail. And so I got clearance to go in and see them. So Ruben, you know, I will put some money on your books too. So, <laughs> so if, I, if the first call I, I'm ever going to make is going to be to, to call you. If I ever get, if I ever go to jail, I'm going to call you and say, chaplain, <laughs> two things. Number one, I need some spiritual one-on-one uh, -on -one here. Uh, number two, can you bring me a 50? Uh, cause yeah. that's, that's really what, uh, that's really what I need. So, uh, I do, you know, I, like I said, I've known you for a long time. Uh, you were, you're a big part of, of my family last 15 years and, and being there for, uh, my brother and, and my mom for many times and myself as well. We've been friends. Um, so I know a little bit about how, how it works and how, you know, you're teaching a service multiple times, uh, a week and Bible studies with these, these youth, uh, Straight up, I'm going to ask you a straight up question. Do you ever like worry that like in the middle of a sermon, someone's going to be so uh, overcome with the Holy Spirit that they're going to, you know, start a fight or something? Because that that would be an interesting, an interesting, uh, interesting day on the job. Well, it certainly has uh, happened uh, to 13 year olds as I was uh, playing guitar and, and they were supposed to be uh, participating and they exchange some words and uh, all of a sudden there's a fight right in the middle of this uh, church service and um, it wasn't the Holy Spirit though it was another spirit I'm sure but uh, I end up one of the kids you know I, I worked with him quite a bit after that because of that fight during church you know he kind of opened up a little bit more for the next year or so when I, he was in and out of juvenile hall so uh, it has happened. Wow. I, I would you know, I, I would fear that like every time I'd say something that someone would be like, you know what, man? And then like start throwing down or try to throw down with me. And I'm like, I'm not here to throw down, man. I'm here to, I'm here to preach the word, but, uh, let's, yeah. um, so, so what do you do in those situations? Well, the staff, uh, he was by himself and they were pretty, uh, intense, angry young boys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, the staff was waiting for a backup and he kind of acted like he was going to use his pepper spray to break it up. And I, and I didn't want that. So I actually had a guitar in one hand and I'm reaching out and trying to, and they settled <laughs> down and uh, I should not have gotten involved, but uh, man, they would not stop. So yeah, <laughs> but well, they did. I mean, that's probably 
by the state's uh, concerns, that's probably not the best position for you to be in. But thank God that you did intervene and that nobody got hurt. Yeah, no, there were some egos hurt for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we turned things over to the staff. The staff are t- highly trained and they, know they, they stay calm. You know, mm-hmm. I was a little bit upset, but they were completely calm and handled it very well. Mm-hmm. So real quick, and this is, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm interested. Have you ever been pepper sprayed by accident? No, it, you know, L.A. County had a problem with that and they had to take their pepper spray away. But uh, here in Orange County, the probation department does everything they can to de-escalate and the staff are t- trained well. And uh, I've never been in that situation and they, they don't overuse it at all. They try to talk the kids down and calm them down and they have some very patient staff. Awesome. Well, this podcast is designed around three. That was a seamless transition. Thank you. Uh, It was until you pointed it out. Uh, Three signature questions. And this is the chance that I let Moxie ask some questions. So Moxie, take it away. I have so many questions. This is not the most important of the questions. We have so much to talk about. Uh, But unfortunately, due to the nature of the podcast, I have to lead with this one. Um, <laughs> but you did mention tacos earlier, so this should be pretty easy. Uh, Rick, the first signature question, signature question number one for this podcast is what is your favorite taco? I'm the pollo loco crazy, the crazy chicken taco. So it's always going to be, uh, you know, today I was at, I was at a, a celebration of life for a friend of mine who's actually a staff at juvenile hall and, uh, had the taco man and so yeah hey give me a couple of those chicken tacos and uh right off the grill so that was my favorite nice i i, I really want a taco now i know can we go get tacos after this rick you want to join us with some tacos or are you socially I, I, distancing I, I, probably still having the party over there so yeah <laughs> not too far from your house So here's, you know, let's jump back into what you do because it's very interesting uh, that people, because I think people automatically assume if, if anyone's in jail that, you know, they, they, they did something to be there. Uh, they, they don't deserve any, any privileges or perks or anything like that. Um, but, you know, here you are, and I know you have a, a full crew of volunteers as well who, who help uh, facilitate the Bible studies and different things that you provide. Um, what keeps you going dealing with a lot of these people who, a lot of these kids who, you know, maybe look at you and say, dude, you don't know what you're talking about, or just maybe straight up just use uh, their time with you to get out of whatever activity uh, that they may or may not be doing or, or just being stuck in, in their cells. So, you know, how, how do you deal with that? And what, what keeps you going? Well, it's certainly not the crowds that come to my church services because the population has drastically decreased over the years. Uh, ten, over 10 years ago, there was the whole realignment and the whole Department of Corrections and uh, everybody's just started looking at, we're, we're locking up way too many people. Mm. And so they really had to decide uh, who really needs to be locked up. So in Orange County and in most counties, those that are in juvenile hall are gonna be the most uh, uh, troubled, uh, some mental health issues, unstable. And so for me, what keeps me going, it's that one-on-one. And uh, when somebody opens up for the first time, 
I'm one of the few people that doesn't wear pepper spray in the facility and uh, uh, don't carry handcuffs. And so I'm a little more a safe person along with the therapists and the teachers, but, but they know that I'm not an employee. And so when a young man or a young woman opens up and there's that level of trust, uh, you know, you feel uh, encouraged. And so during this pandemic, there's some kids that have been arrested that I've never met personally. They've seen me on the stream doing the church service online. And I'll just ask who would like a phone call, raise your hand and, and I'll call certain people. And uh, for whatever reason, there's a level of trust and they open up and share things. And, and uh, I just see God working in people's lives. Sometimes it's two steps forward, three steps back, but there's always there's always someone reaching out for help. Well, that's a good thing to to have, and and I know uh, you know one of my older brothers uh, was in and out of jail for I want to say twenty five years of his life. Uh, I think he spent more time in jail than he did out of jail, uh, and all for stupid things like probation violations and stuff like that. Like he didn't go out and like continuously commit crimes. Uh, he just would hang out with somebody he wanted to hang out with who he wasn't allowed to hang out with because he was on, on parole or probation. Uh, you know, so I know for him that having that person that he could reach out to and have a discussion with about the disparity he might be feeling because he's serving three, four, five years uh, in jail was transformational for him. Uh, you know, how many times do you see, you know, a relationship that continues uh, beyond the, the sentence that that person is, you know, is, is serving? Well, that's a great question. And, uh, I, you know, I think I do uh, 10, 8 to 10 one-on-ones every single week. And some of those are ongoing. Uh, I make new youth pretty much every week that are reaching out for help. So I'd say one out of maybe 75. And so I can think of several people now that uh, I've known for years and uh, 15 years and uh, still stay in touch, get a Christmas card from them, and they're working, family, married, doing well. And so about one in 75 would uh, choose to stay in touch. And sometimes it's not till they're in their mid-20s that they'll call. I just got a letter two days ago from a young man that uh, grew up in Santa Ana, and I remember his name. I can vaguely picture him, but he's... Unfortunately, he's in prison and is uh, one of his friends in prison, I write, who reached out to me as well and uh, said, oh, I remember that guy. And and uh, so he wrote a cool letter. I'm going to get back in touch with him. But that's somebody that I really hadn't uh, spoken to for since he was in juvenile hall for a long time. And then uh, last Saturday, I got a call from Pelican Bay State Prison. And it was a young man that had tracked me down to, hadn't spoken to him in over eight years. And yet, no, they remember. They remember somebody being there for them when they were younger. Maybe they weren't listening. Maybe they weren't that open. They weren't serious. But uh, 10 years later, five years later, it's a whole different story. And they're thinking completely different. Wow. That's incredible. Just hearing the stories of people who have reached out to you after such a long time. Um, I, you know, I hearing that, like my heart just opens up and is, I'm so grateful that they have someone like that. But I'm wondering, 
um, because you know, there it's, that's wonderful that they're able to, that they're able to find you after such a long time. But, um, are you ever concerned about your safety? Like, are, are you ever concerned that people are going to track you down who weren't so happy? Well, uh, that's certainly their staff and we've been advised to beware. Uh, I give out my card, which has my cell phone on it. And I've done that for 20 years here in Orange County. Yeah, I've had a, a couple calls. Uh, I've, I've been burned. You know, they're concerned that they're going to take advantage of me. And a lot of ex-felons or people with that mentality do. But you know what? There's a level of trust and respect. And for the most part, there's really uh, you, you can't be afraid of that. And uh, I did have, I, well, I better not share certain things, but uh, uh, overall, no, uh, it hasn't been an issue. I, I, there was a church that had my home address on a prayer card. Oh, wow. And I told them, no, I said, you know, I, no, I don't want my home address. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of people walk into that church, uh, a yeah. big church, and, you know, and there's, there's well, one of the pastors was an ex-felon. So I said, could you? change that address so yeah yeah i feel like even uh, if you weren't a chaplain you wouldn't or even if that you weren't involved with this ministry you wouldn't want your home address on a prayer card yeah. <laughs> that just seems like a bad idea specifically yeah, yeah. it also depends what the prayer request is for too it's like <laughs> like like i just need somebody to like to pray for me because i got all my diamonds and i don't know where to store them can somebody and then the address is like right below <laughs> uh let's jump in to uh signature question numero dos and then we'll talk about his book all right i'm so excited to talk about the book uh, so signature question number two, I am seriously enjoying this season's answers to this question. And this is a more difficult question, but I think you might be prepared. So let's see. Uh, signature question number two is if you had a life quote, what would it be? Wow. A life quote. That's um, a tough one. I know. Yeah. I, uh, I can't think of anything. Off. There's probably a plaque on my wall here somewhere that probably says something, but um, it could be anything. It could be a quote or a Bible verse or a mantra, anything. Yeah, the best is yet to come. Mm. The best is volumes. yet to come. And so, to you, what does that mean to you, uh, both personally in, in, in your personal life, uh, but also in your in your ministry life uh, with with what you do? Uh, great question, Ruben. Uh, Thank you. There's a, <laughs> uh, a man who wrote a book, and he actually lives in a retirement community where my parents are at. He's 89 years old. He wrote a book. He was a, a world missionary and uh, very active, busy uh, at that age, traveling and speaking and so I, I called him up. My parents had his phone number, and I called him up. I said, hey, Hans, he's from Germany and knows Chinese and, and been all over the world. And, and it says, I had a couple of questions about your book. And then he asked about myself. I said, yeah, you know, I'm just turned 60. I'm probably going to go another 10 years. And that's what he says. He says, you know what? the best years are ahead of you. Oh. And so to hear that from somebody, he says, I'm going to be 90 this year. And I just want to let you know your best years are ahead of you. And that was a real encouragement. Wow. You know, and, and I think we need to hear that today uh, in 2020 to I know today specifically, oh, specifically <laughs> today, but also 2020 being the year that it has been 
Uh, I think everyone's like, please tell me this gets better eventually. I know. Everyone had such high hopes for this year, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's what happened to me. Coming out good. <laughs> <laughs> So you have a book uh, that I believe you self-published uh, that uh, I have a copy, you know, and I have a copy of it in my car and I didn't bring it in, uh, but it's, uh, it's called Overcoming Childhood Trauma. It's a workbook. Uh, tell us a little bit about that project. And I know that you're, you're, you're reworking it and, and probably planning on republishing it. So tell us a little bit about that and, and why you were inspired to put that together. Well, law enforcement, like I said, they began to realize we're, we need to change how we do things. And trauma-informed care was a training that the probation department and police departments required every staff person to attend. I, w- I heard so much about it. I attend. I was allowed to attend that training. Nice. And a couple of friends of mine were the staff that I knew, a probation officer and a line staff. They were teaching it. And I was talking to him afterwards and it just inspired me. I said, you know, all the material and Bible studies that I prepared I need to put something together because there's a lot of information out there about why children are traumatized, how they become traumatized and what happens, but not a lot on the recovery. And so I was talking to them. I said, well, what about the recovery? Well, it's resilience and good coping skills. And I thought, man, there has to be, there has to be more Mm. than that. And so, you know, I began to just brainstorm and think about all the, uh, God just went through the whole Bible and and I began to think, you know, there's that victim mentality that people need to overcome. There's the forgiveness issue. People need to stop being filled with bitterness. Uh, People need to have uh, their guilt taken care of. People need to understand who they are in relationship to God and, and they need to have healthy relationships. And my whole premise was through healthy relationships, ones that are based on trust and honesty and communication and flexibility and 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 unity the the memories the good memories in those healthy relationships replace all the trauma and the negative memories from the past and part of that is letting go and learning how to grieve i think all of us here in the united states were just like you said, 2020, we're grieving what we've lost. You know, we've lost something this year. Some things have been taken away that we wanted to do. And we're still like, are we going to be okay? And so we're all going through the the grieving process. And so that's pretty much the idea of, of the material that I put together, helping the people that I take through. It's not a book. It's a workbook, like you said, Ruben, and you take somebody through it at the beginning. It does have a, a test, uh, kind of like uh, how traumatized are you? And uh, and kids, ten out they, of ten, they score real high. You know, I thought, oh, that's like a an A. If you were in my student, I'd give you an A right now. But it's really because they've been so traumatized. Then I kind of joke about it, and then I just say, you know what? It's amazing that you're doing as well as you're doing, considering all that you've been through. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it's incredible. And I, I'm sure over, you know, over your career that you've seen a lot of, a lot of people go through the stages of, you know, uh, being traumatized and then ultimately healed through, you know, through the message that you, that you preach of, you know, of recovery through Christ. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, who do you encourage uh, to, to get this book? Is, is there like a specific audience that you're looking towards or is this something that everybody should go, I mean, outside the monetary side of it, um, you know, but is, is this a book that everybody should, should try to work through at some point? Well, I, I would say it's, it's not so much spiritual growth, but it is dealing with some issues and, uh, it really does help you face reality. And so if you're living in a fantasy world, a lot of the gang members that I work with, they're not some big tough person. They're not some animal. They're, they're, they're scared little kids that have been traumatized in life. And they're trying to wear that mask that I'm somebody big and important. I have power and I'm important. And so I remember meeting with a 15 year old gang member Hmm. and I said, you know what, this isn't who you really are. Who you really are is that hurt boy that your dad wouldn't buy a pair of shoes for you when you were going to start school and you went out and stabbed somebody. And uh, you're, you're that angry little boy. You're not a hardcore gang member. And uh, you're, 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 you've been, putting on this mask, you've been pretending to be somebody in your little fantasy world because the real world is not fun. Mm. The real you is not somebody you want to face right now. And you need to face reality. Wow. I I think to a certain extent that's somebody or that's something that everybody needs to hear at some point in their lives. I mean, we, we don't always have the healthiest relationships. We need to get out of some toxic relationships, Mm -hmm. but we can't fix and uh, we need to look at what a healthy relationship is. Now, you can't make that other person healthy, but you're part of the relationship. You can be, uh, you, you're, you're the podcast best friends. You know, what is a healthy friendship? And so we just talk about the whole thing of what really love is. What is love? It's not the feeling. Love is a choice. It's something you do to benefit another person. And if you don't trust people, man, a lot of these girls and guys, and they don't, they have major trust issues. And so it, it's a, it, that's why I'm surprised that they reach out to me uh, still at my age. It's like they do have trust issues. And so what keeps me going, like you said, Ruben and, and Moxie, it's, it's I know it's a big deal for certain people to, to trust me and I don't want to mess that up. And I want to be that person that uh, can be there at a critical time in their life and, and be trusted. Yeah, well, speaking of trust and friendship, uh, it is time for signature question number three, uh, which I believe is the most important question you'll ever be asked. <laughs> I sincerely doubt that, but okay. <laughs> so signature question number three we were just talking about friendship and that actually was a seamless transition good job he does things sometimes uh <laughs> signature question three is the one this podcast was based around so no pressure but can you have more than one best friend outside of your significant others and family members well, yeah, I mean, if you're married, guys, yeah, your wife needs to be your best friend. Uh, you know, I, 
that's one of the things in my trauma workbook. It's uh, it's not how many friendships you have; it's the quality of them. And uh, you know, you can have a lot of people think you're cool and and have a lot of uh, popularity. But you, yeah, you need somebody that's going to be there when when things go down and, and that you could call at any time. And so, uh, I think you can have more than one close friend. You know, even in the Bible, Jesus had three: Peter, James, and John. But I don't think we can maintain uh, too many close friendships. So I think we need to keep that fair, fairly narrow to maintain that closeness. Mm. That is actually very true. That's. Something that I've noticed is difficult when you have so many people who you're close with, you're surrounded by great people and you want to be close with all of them. But it's hard because, you know, you're close. You have very close relationships with five or six people and then you're just constantly trying to build on those relationships. But there's only so much you can do at once. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's coming from the girl who has like 3000, you know, best friends. You know what? We, listen, we went to dinner last night. <laughs> And uh, the end of the dinner, I think I think her and the waitress were like became best friends. So, uh, main I think that was mainly to counteract me like annoying the waitress. So. Well, and it was tough because I couldn't tell if she was actually smiling or not because of the mask. That's right. So. right. She was, you know. <laughs> I would say that's that's always a good assumption, except for when they give you the death eye. You know, the, the, the I'm gonna kill you eye. Just you're, one. So yeah, just one. It's, you don't you don't get death eyes. You get one death eye. Here, have a death eye. <laughs> So, Chaplain, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here uh, in just a second. But uh, one thing that I, I do think is important is to let people know that uh, you know you do raise uh, support, and if anybody is interested in supporting you, I, I think they should. This is a great ministry. I think it's a highly needed ministry. I think we need more of this yes, in amen. the uh, in the correctional system. Uh, I think the more of of Jesus we can give to people in crisis. Uh, the better. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that real quick. How does that work? How do people support you? Uh, and, and where can they find more information on, on supporting this mission? When I started in 1985, I looked for an organization where I could be accountable to. And as a board of directors and the money is handled professionally. So I came on staff with the parachurch organization, Pacific Youth Correctional Ministries. PacificYouth.org is our website, and uh, there's a donate button, and I'm one of the several staff members and give through PayPal. And so uh, that's the easiest way, PacificYouth.org. The fact that I'm not a county employee makes a big difference. And I mean, after about a couple weeks, I always get that question, that look in their face, and the young people start to realize why are you here and uh, why are you uh, trusting you? Why are you opening up to me? Why are you caring about me? Why are you here? Are you in it for the money? And uh, they say, now, how do you get paid? And when they realize that uh, there's a, there's churches and people out there that want to support a chaplain, when they realize that it's uh, I, yeah, I just live by faith, whatever comes in, comes in. And I've been doing that for a long time, 30 years. So uh, when they realize that it's, it's not a county position that I get paid for, mm. it really it, it, it speaks a lot to them that there's people and, a church, and churches that care enough to have this position filled. 
That's incredible. That, I, and I'm sure that, you know, it's like it, the actions speak louder than the words. The financial support speaks louder than just going in and saying some flowery things. I'm sure when they see that you're actually doing this, that makes it, yeah. that must make yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. That's incredible. Yeah, so when they find out that the church has a, uh, a ministry designed specifically for them, mm-hmm. specific youth, correctional ministries, and when they realize that it's, it's for them, it, uh, it changes how they look at the church. Absolutely. And, and I know some of the churches that support you, they're, they're not just, you know, these run a night, you know, what, run of night, run, what's the, the phrase? Run. Running wild in the night. Whatever. It's not like some, you know, some janky church. These are legit churches in Orange County, you know, all across California as well uh, that support this ministry. Uh, And, you know, if you have any sort of resources that you would like to uh, send over to Rick's Way, uh, head over to PacificYouth.org. Where else can they find more information about you specifically and maybe even purchase a copy of your book? Yes. uh, Right now I'm giving out the uh, free version, but... uh uh, if you go to my website, it's rick at pacificyouth.org. Uh, you can go to my website and there's a, uh, you can do contact me or there's a button there to uh, take a look at the, uh, the workbook on overcoming childhood trauma. So you can look at the introduction and a couple of things that were written and get a, get a, uh, just look at it briefly and see if you want to order some copies. I'm not charging anybody. You can certainly make a donation if you want help pay for shipping. Awesome. And just to clarify, it's rick.pacificyouth.org. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. You gave your email address, I think. By uh, by That works too. (laughs) Hey, it all works. Uh, Rick, thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh, I I really appreciate you taking time out of your afternoon uh, to, to, to spend with me. Uh, and, and my friend Moxie here. Did we, did we cover everything? I wanted to ask one more question. Can Go I for ask it. one more? Go for it. Uh, and we're out of time. Oh, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, you said you've moved five times. Yeah. You know, uh, when I moved down here, I, I stumbled across a, a, an apartment that I could afford and it was a block from the circle of orange. And oh, I didn't wow. realize how cool it would be to live there. I, w- I would still be living there. If I could, but it was became cheaper to buy, and so uh, I actually bought a condo in nine or two thousand and one, and then then the price went way up, and so I just had to sell it, and then I waited and rented in Garden Grove, and then I moved back to another complex, and when things dropped, and so yeah, I've moved about five times now. Oh my goodness! And where was your favorite place to live? Well, um, it is pretty amazing to live in Orange and being able to uh, walk down to the Circle of Orange. Uh, the the landlord was uh, on the city council of Orange, and he kept my rent low, and he was a friend, and he helped me out. And, and, uh, and then he was a realtor, so he really helped me find uh, another condo that uh, was a great investment. So but living by the Circle of Orange was pretty cool. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, oh, I pushed the wrong button. Whoa, that's cool. <laughs> uh, hey, again, thank you so much. Uh, PacificYouth.org. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry or support Rick as well, go to Rick.PacificYouth.org for more information about Rick. Uh, we are going to uh, go on a commercial break. Um, I don't know why I said it that way, but we're going to a commercial break. I thought we were going on a cruise for a second. So. Nope. <laughs> Coronavirus will not let us do that. Uh <laughs> 
Uh, again, uh, Rick, thank you so much for doing this. Thank we'll be back so in just a second. You're more than welcome. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Played. That was a great interview. This is really. Not- that was a great interview with my good friend oh my Rick Johnson. Uh, something good. Go go go. We already did that. Something bad. Go go go. It's you. <laughs> what was your favorite part of that interview? Because I really enjoyed it, but I want to hear from you what what your favorite part of that was. You know, I, I want to hear yours first. Really? Yeah, I'm really curious as to what you really enjoyed about that conversation. Really? Yeah. Without looking at the notes. Oh, okay. My favorite part was when he talked about his friend who's a missionary and told that him... Didn't, that never like, happened. Yeah, he, yeah, it did. Never. He happened. told him uh, his friend who's a missionary, he's like in his eight, late 80s or 90s, and uh, he said, you know, the best is yet to come. The best years are ahead of you. And uh, talking to somebody who actively works with youths, even in uh, what many would consider retirement age, that's really impressive to hear. And I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. How about you? I enjoyed the entire conversation. Wow. What a cop out. Every chance I get to talk to Rick is a great conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a great time. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's non-COVID world because then we go get coffee. Yeah. And it's a good time. Man, that pie really hit me. <laughs> I'm tired now. I don't know what happened there. All right, cool. So uh, we do have a new t-shirt out. So head over to uh, tinyurl.com, tinyurl.com forward slash shop best friends and purchase our, what, I, what I'm calling our and tacos shirts. I really like this shirt and it's something besides COVID. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. And uh, that's 100, something good in and of itself. And 100% of the proceeds go into my pocket. They do? Wait, I wasn't told this. Well, you signed a contract. Uh, what contract? The contract that you signed about Which, six months ago. What? That said all the money goes into my bank. No, no, it, it doesn't. It does now. What? Yep. What? Wait, do I have a voice here? N- well, you have a voice. You just don't have a say. I don't like this. Yeah, well. This feels toxic. You're toxic. I've heard that before. You can't leave me! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. At least we can laugh through all the therapy. Therapy? (laughs) We really need therapy, guys. You need therapy. I need... Why do I need therapy? See? Perfect example of why you need therapy. You're denying that you need therapy. I... What? You are a therapy denier. You need therapy. Probably. Yeah. Yep. I just don't know where to get the therapy. Same. Actually, um, uh, also, by the way, we need to do a better job of telling people to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you prefer. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, <laughs> Downcast platforms. What? Nothing. Um, uh, we're on Deezer. We're on Pocket Cast. We're on Up. <laughs> We're probably on 
<laughs> you okay? I don't remember where else we're at. Cool. Thebestfriendshow.com. Yeah. LifeFriendshipTacos.com. LifeFriendshipTacos.com. Just go there. Yeah. No. Yes. What? Maybe. What? Huh? Huh? I don't know. Third base. Let's go, Joe. <laughs> you know, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I, I sh- we should also tell people... We've lined up some really incredible guests. We have. And honestly, we're facing the, uh, this is the first time we're facing this issue, which is we have too many guests. Um, We really went gung-ho on this season and uh, lined up some incredible people. We've got some authors. We've got some motivational speakers. We have our first uh, nonprofit organization representative. That's not true. No, it's not. Wait, who did we have before? Rick. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, that's true. Any pastor we've had on? Okay, whatever. I'm a no profit. What? Are you saying you make no profit? Yes. <laughs> Unless you check my bank account this week. Yeah, <laughs> No, That should have been our something good. We have some really incredible people. Um, we have uh, pastors, we have speakers, we have... Dollar in the jar! Okay. We have musicians, we have pretty we much... We do? Yeah, we do. Actually, we do. Like who? Uh, like, you know, I, we can't tell them. Oh, the ones we haven't recorded yet. No, we recorded one. We did? Uh-huh. You thought she was pretty. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nancy, just, can we have you on every show? Just like commentary. <laughs> you know, I always wanted to mic her up. Uh, Nancy, just FYI, Nancy, uh, she is my aunt. Uh, not really. Uh, but she, she she used to be uh, like an indirect character on a, on a show that we did years ago. And I always wanted to mic her up, and she never wanted to actually be mic'd up. She would just randomly start screaming, show prep! Uh, or like in the middle of a conversation, you just, all of a sudden you just hear Nancy start talking about things and you like, you can kind of sort of hear what she was saying, but not really because she wasn't mic'd up. And then I would be like, all right, cool, Nance. Like, let's, let's, let's actually mic you up and do a segment. And then she would like all of a sudden become like Mike shy or something. Uh, but she's a radio professional too. Uh, long, long. Would you say you're retired though? See, yeah, now she doesn't want to talk. <laughs> she, just, she just nodded her head. Um, as, you know, because nodding your head is great for podcasting. Uh, <laughs> uh, just like talking about pictures on a podcast. You have issues, man. You have them too. And one of them is that I can't get rid of you. <laughs> Are you okay? Did that hurt your feelings? No, it made me sad that that's a reality. That we're stuck together <laughs> for a very long time. You signed the contract. See, I have an out, though. You have it out? I have an out. What's your out? It's called a uh, exit strategy. What's your exit strategy? Just to stop producing the podcast. Ah. You know, the question has always <laughs> been, what? What did she say? Nancy just walked in and said, this key doesn't fit to anything. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so the question has always been, if Moxie disappears, will Ruben find a new co-host? What if Ruben disappears? Will I find a new co-host? No, I own the podcast. How? Read the contract. Fine, then I'll just start a new podcast. (laughs) (sighs) Challenge accepted. All right. I think I'm done with uh, that for this week. Are we good? Done with what? You know, that. The thing. (laughs) Challenge accepted? No. 
All right, cool. So if you can't tell, Moxie and I had a fight before this uh, show started. So we did. Uh, yeah, what was in front that of fight? in front of Nancy. We did. Yep. What was it? Mm, not going into it. What? I don't remember. What nope. It was. Don't like that. Oh my gosh, you need to stop. Nope. Don't like that. I, it's my Chris impersonation. What? No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's go. <laughs> Where? Where are we going? <laughs> you uh, said that like, all right, let's go. <laughs> come on, let's get to it. I know that you can do it. Where are we going? To the store. <laughs> what are we buying? Applesauce. <laughs> are you a baby? Yeah. All right, let's end let's end this misery. I'm done. <laughs> Please. I'm over it. Go have your date. But it's not a date. Jeez. It's a it's a hangout at a socially distance distance. Is it with a female that you're interested in? Well, it's with a female. It's a date. And uh it's not a date until she calls it a date. It's a date. Are you paying? I mean, it's not that type of date. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm not paying her. No, for food. Oh. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I need to edit that part out. <laughs> okay, this turned into like the worst episode of talk radio ever. Uh, just real quick, I... Uh, <laughs> You know what? No, I'll tell the story off air. <laughs> uh, make sure to share this podcast with your friends and uh, all this other fun stuff. Uh, my name is Ruben J. And I'm Moxie And we are out of patience. Oh, wait, wait. I didn't say what episode it is. Oh, it's fine. It's episode no! two. No. 52. No. Goodbye. And I was like, no. no. <laughs> Enjoy these commercials. Bye. Sometimes you know that, right? I'm mean to you. You're very mean to me. Are you serious? You're being mean to me right now. Lucky Land Slots asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.